where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Amen. All right, so we got 28 minutes to cover 36 verses. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that one. This morning we will be in Romans chapter 11. Uh, sorry, there won't be a whole lot of fluff with it before we get started, but we got to dive in. We are in a sermon series right now called We Shall Live by Faith. Uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and so super excited about being in that this this morning. Uh, the last three times that we've been in this book together, Romans 9, Romans 10, and Romans 11, uh, just as a way of reminder, Romans 9 was where Israel was in the past, Romans 10 is where Israel was in the present, and Romans 11 is where Israel is in the future, okay? And so this morning as we dive in and we look at Romans 11, I just want to remind us um, is that God is sovereign, amen? Meaning God is in control of all things. He exists. Uh, all things exist because of him. And then what I really love is, is Jesus is the thing that holds it all together. He is the person that holds it all together. So without further ado, dive in with me in Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. I ask then, Romans 11, 1, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for my, I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel, Lord? They have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men. 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So to, the, to, so to at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then, Israel? What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor and an eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask... Did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass mean, means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much will their full inclusion mean? Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles in as much then as I am an apostle 
to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough, verse 16, offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you, if you are, remember it is not you who supported the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness of in the severity of God, the severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provide you continue, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be gathered back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will banish the ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be be my covenant with them. And when I take away when I take away their sins, as it regards the as it as regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards of election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unstructable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, and who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, I beg you in Jesus' name to forgive me of any unconfessed sin in my life. God, I pray this morning for the ears that will hear my My sermon, God, I pray that they don't hear my words but yours. God, I pray this morning that you hide me behind the cross. God, that you fill me up with your presence, that you speak through me. God, I understand that this is a difficult text. I understand that literally the last three chapters that we've looked at have been difficult. God, my goal is not to honor men. My goal is to honor you. So God, may you fill me up with what you want me to say, and do you be the glory and you be the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... We're going to break it down into some different sections. The first section we're going to look at is verses 1 through 10, a remnant, a remnant. 
Today, as we look to the future of Israel, the question in this text is God finished with Israel? Is God finished with Israel? Look, I am not getting into a debate about what you think about Israel and where America fits in and all that. That's not this sermon. That's a sermon for a different day. What I'm saying to you today is, as we look at this text today and we look to the future of Israel, the question is, in the text, is God finished with Israel? So in verse 1, I ask then, has God rejected his people? There's a question there. And I want you to look at the response. By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So what Paul is saying to the Romans, even though he's not been to Rome yet, he's just writing a letter to Rome, to the believers there in Rome. He's saying, check this out. I can guarantee you that God is not done with Israel because I myself am an Israelite. I am, a, I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I don't know if you know this or not, but a personal experience, a personal encounter cannot be debated. That's why I love salvation so much. That's why I love the fact that our salvation relationship is based on a personal decision to put our trust and our faith in Jesus. And because of our personal relationship, no one can deny our relationship with Jesus. Why? Because it is a personal relationship. Do you see that? So Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 1, um, the question is being asked. I asked then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself is an Israelite. Then look at verses 2, 3, and 4. 2, 3, and 4. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that what the scripture says to Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. What I love about this text is, is Elijah thought he was that important. Like, I'm the only one left, God. Like, nobody's left. And, and, and look at God's response. Verse 4, but what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes if we're not careful, as followers of Jesus, we'll get super spiritual sometimes. We'll get some knowledge of Christ. We'll, we'll worship. Maybe we'll lift our hands and nobody else is lifting their hands. Maybe we got a perfect attendance record of church. Maybe we've done this. Maybe we, we've done that. And we'll talk and, 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 and have such an inner focus on ourselves. And God says, but you and I are not as important as we think we are. Elijah's like, God, they killed everybody except me. And I'm not saying Elijah wasn't important. He was. But things are not what they seem in God's business. Can I get an amen? And I don't know about you, but I praise God for that. Amen? Because if, it, if they were as if they were, as, as they're seen, if they actually were as they seem, I don't know if you know this or not, most of us would not come out of our houses. We would come to church, and we wouldn't go anywhere else. We'd go to the grocery store. We'd go back to them old days where the little woman, the only two places she went was to the store and to get her hair done. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. True story, 15 years old, that time in my life where I'm trying to find a car. I'm working on this lady's vehicle, and her name was Miss House. What a cool name, right? Miss House, and I pull up at her house, and I'm taking her Buick to her house. It's like an 88 model. got like 8,000 miles on it. As I'm returning her car from Joe's Texaco in Cleveland, Mississippi, I pull in the driveway, and under the carport is a 66 Chevy Bel Air. 
15 years old, eyes get real big, taking auto mechanics in the tenth grade, ninth and 10th grade. I'm like, ooh, I got to have that car. So I walk up to Miss House. I said, Miss House, here's your keys. I said, what's the deal with the, the, the Bel Air? And she goes, um, well, it's been sitting there since about 1982. And she says, it doesn't run. But she said, I had a man the other day offer me $500 for it, and I didn't really like him. So why don't you offer me $550, and it's yours? And I'm like, excuse me? She said, $550, what you think? I'm like, sold. Y'all, I go to look in that car. The car has 46,000 miles on it. I asked Miss House, I said, Miss House, you do any challenge? She said, son, I go get my hair done once a week. Actually, she didn't say done. I go get my hair did. I go get my hair did once a week, and I go to the grocery store. That's it. $550, put a battery in it, pour gasoline in the carburetor, crank right up. Boom. I get to drive around in a 66 Chevy Bel Air, pearl white, 14 speakers in the trunk, lowered to the ground with air shocks on it, blacked out windows with a Jesus fish on the back, and truly got pulled over in Ruble, Mississippi one day and said, that Jesus fish must be a decoy. You must be running dope in this car. <laughs> True story. The point that I'm making is, is that we would go back to those days where we just went and got our hair did and, and go to the store if we actually thought that things were as they were. But we've sung this morning and we've celebrated this morning that God is not finished. Can I get an amen? And that's what Paul is saying to the Romans. He's saying, guess what? Things are not as they seem. But what was God's reply? His reply, y'all, actually comes from 1 Kings 19, 18, which says this, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel and all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. I don't know about you, but I think I see myself as Elijah sometimes where I think everybody else is against me and I'm the only one standing up for my faith and God goes, whoa, wait a minute. There's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be a small remaining piece of my plan and I will use that small piece to do greater things. Look at verse five and I got to speed up pretty quickly. I ain't got sure what time it was. I chased one squirrel and look what happened. Look at verse five. So to, the, to, so to at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Look at verse 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of work. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So as we look at Romans 11, 1 through 6, a remnant of grace. Listen to what this, listen to this, what R.C. Sproul says. If you go to a carpet store because you happen to notice that they're having a remnant sale, you are not going there to purchase the whole rug. You are buying what is left over after the rugs have been trimmed, seeds left after the field has been plowed, grains at the bottom of the cup of coffee, loose ends only fit for the trash barrel, the stump left from the falling tree, all the metaphors for the people of God. This is what we. This is what R.C. Sproul says when it says a remnant. You think that, that God is finished, but there's always going to be something that God can use. It might be the littlest of things. It might be the smallest of people, but God can use that remnant through what? Grace and through faith. Do you see it? Paul is going, hey, look, Romans, I get, I get you think that Israel failed because they thought that salvation was by keeping the law. But you're telling us that salvation is through faith. So then did Israel fail? Absolutely not. We saw it in Romans 9. We saw it in Romans 10. And now we see it in Romans 11. Pick up with me in Romans 11, verse 7 through 10. Beginning in verse 7. 
What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking? The elect attained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor and eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to the very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a, ta- and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So first we see a remnant. Then we see spiritual blindness. In verses 9 and 10, Paul is quoting David in Psalms 69, 22 through 23. Luther, looking at Psalms 69, 22 through 23, said, It is like a flower in the fields whose nectar is used to make honey for the bee, but the nectar is poison to the spider. Poison to the spider. Listen to these verses again, 9, and 10, 9 through 10. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. As I was studying this, this week, I found myself in Starbucks at Kroger's because I don't know if you know this or not, I can't study in my office. It's nothing personal. The people I work with are awesome, but I have an office, and if you've been in my office, you know it's got a big window, and it looks like an aquarium, and usually when people see fish on the inside of the aquarium, they think they can play with the fish, or they can distract the fish, or they can talk to the fish, and so therefore the fish has to get out of the aquarium sometimes and go find another aquarium to get in and put his headphones on and keep his head down to study, and so this week, I found myself in Starbucks at Kroger's by myself in a corner. They got free Wi-Fi, and the coffee's really good. No offense, Sean, but I mean, their coffee's good, but but the point I'm making is, is I'm there, and I'm still studying. And when I'm reading this, man, I'm telling you, I'm studying and I'm studying uh, Vernon McGee and I'm studying R.C. Sproles and man, I'm studying this and man, it's just coming to me and it's coming to me. It's coming to me. And I get really excited. I don't know if y'all noticed that or not, but I get really, really excited when things start happening and things start coming to me and I, I get really, really excited. And I know that there were people that were on their lunch break, they were on their coffee break and they're going, man, what is wrong with the dude over in the corner? Because when you get the reality that too often we feel like we're done. God goes, no, 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 no. Let me show you how I'm about to show out. Listen to what Sproul says about this passage in Psalm 69, 22 and 23, which Paul is quoting here in Romans 11. He says, it's like a flower in the field whose rector, nectar excuse me, is used to make honey for the bee, but the nectar is poison to the spider. To those who are being saved, the word of God is sweetness and honey, but to those who are perishing, it is poison. May it be for you nothing but sweetness and honey so that you may feast on the table God has prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Church, I don't know if you know this. I don't care if you agree with this. This is scripture. This is what I believe in my heart. This is what God showed me in Kroger's at Starbucks, and if he showed it to me there, it's got to be the truth. I'm telling you, what God is saying to us is this, is you might not be where you need to be today, but if you'll come to the table and you'll taste the sweetness of God's word and the sweetness of who God is, I promise you, you will not be dissatisfied. But I can tell you this too, church. If you don't believe God's words, as R.C. Sproul says, it will be like poison. Poison. Because if you reject it and you don't receive God's grace, damnation is your destiny. Oh, and I get it. We got some visitors today. So me preaching about hell might mean you might not come back. Let me tell you something, visitor. I love you enough to tell you that hell is real. And many will find it. 
then you show up in heaven uh, and you show up at judgment one day and you act as if there was no hell and that everybody got in. That is not what Scripture states. You must turn from yourself and follow Jesus. You must confess with your mouth. We saw it last week in Romans chapter 10. I wish y'all could have been here. Like for real, there was like eight people in the room and I'm preaching and I'm preaching and I'm preaching and I'm like, Lord, I, I think it was your blessing for the people that they didn't have to see me preach like that in person. But man, if you didn't get to hear Romans chapter 10 last week, I'm not asking you to go listen to it because I preached it. Just go listen to the sweetness of the honey of Scripture, of what it says. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died, you too can be saved. That is a hope for you today, and that is a hope for me today. But don't believe it. And you know what it'll become? As R.C. Sproul says about these verses in 7 through 10, it will become like poison, and it will lead to death. So there's a remnant, there's a blindness, and then there's a grafting. Pick up with me in chapter 11. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Whether though their trespass salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Pick up with me in verse 13. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles in as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump, and as if the root is holy, so are the branches." Just a quick side note on verse 16. I don't know if you know this or not, but the dough can be holy all that it wants to. But if the baker does something with the dough that's not holy, then therefore the dough becomes unholy because it was not used for God's glory. Are you seeing it? The same way, even though the root system of the branch that God created in the foundation of the world was created to be holy, if we're not doing what God calls us to do and we're not being faithful, and that doesn't mean that the root is, becomes unholy, it means the branch becomes unholy. And I don't know if you know this or not, but a great devotional time would be John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All I can say to you is this, go try to be a branch that produces. You're not the producer. It is the root inside of you that produces. So therefore, if the root is holy, the branch should be holy, but the branch has to choose to be a vessel and an instrument for holiness. Whew, that was deep and I didn't even know I could say something like that. Check out verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing roots of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Mm. You have been slapped in the name of Jesus. That's what just happened. Because we think we did something. Jeff McManus that goes to church with us uh, 
Horticulturist, I think is how you say that big name. He's the one that makes the camp. He's the one that oversees making the campus beautiful. He'll tell you this. He's not the one that makes the campus beautiful. It's all them folks running them weed eaters and edgers and all that. But he gets to oversee it. But the point is, I told him this morning. I said I should have called you if I'd have been a good preparer. I would have said, Hey, let's do an interview on what grafting means because he knows how to graft plants and bushes and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not a very good preparer. So this morning I said. Jeff, I need you to help me out. He said, you're teaching on Romans 11 this morning, aren't you? You want to know what grafting means? I said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, can you give a dumb person like two minutes? He said, well, yeah, I can give you more than that. But, and he starts talking about how they would take the, what's been cut off from one and connect it to another. And what happens is that they would actually wrap it in moss. And some of you rose folks, you'd actually take one rose and you would cut from another rose and you would then wrap it maybe in a paper or handkerchief or a cloth or whatever. And they would begin, oh yeah, y'all come on up here. That's fine. Whatever. Um, But what happened was, is when they begin to be connected, okay, when they begin to be connected, what did y'all tell them that y'all going to buy them lunch or something? I don't care. Y'all all going to be late. But when they would connect, what happens was, is that eventually they would be grafted in together. Do you realize here in Rome that the Romans think that the only way you can be saved, you got to be a Jew? And that the Gentiles are on the outside looking in. And I don't know if you know this or not, but unless I don't understand the population or the audience, that means all of us would be on the outside looking in because most of us were not born into a Jewish family. We got to be grafted in. Now, for country folks, y'all love that. Like, I wasn't born into it, but I was grafted into it. It's kind of like a casserole. Y'all sitting there one day and go, I ain't got this ingredient, so I'll put this ingredient in it, and all of a sudden a masterpiece happens. Have you ever noticed that? There are people that take different plants and different things, and they graft them together. Why? Because they want to see what they can make out of it. You know why God allowed that for us to be grafted in? Because he knew that the miraculous thing would be not just that salvation could be for the Jews, but also us pitiful Gentiles as well. And I don't know if you know this this morning, but that's called grace. Grace that you and I did not deserve. And then look at verse 18. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through the faith. Here's what I want you to see. They weren't broken off because of who they were. They were broken off because of what they did. I'm so fed up with this world. We think because if we're part of this ethnicity or if we're part of this socioeconomical or we're part of this political party, we're somehow special. You know what makes you special? A sinner saved by grace. You know what makes you special? You weren't even a part of the root system. But God grafted you in. How dare you fish to walk around here arrogant like you're somebody saved by grace. Nothing I could do. 
Nothing I could do. Nothing you could do. Only God could do it. And good, look, church, it wasn't the root system that was messed up. It was the branches that failed to be used as instruments for God. Will you be used by God? Will you be used by God? Okay, I got one minute. <laughs> you think? Look at verse 20. It says, verse 19 says, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Look at verse 20. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. And guys, I'm telling you, I'm reading this verse on Thursday, I think it was. And it says, do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Saying, check this out. You might have been grafted in. But if you're not attached to the branch, if the branch is not attached to the vine, and the vine is not that which is producing inside of you what you can't do for yourself, if Christ is not doing in you what you can't do for yourself, don't be surprised if you're not used as a vessel that God might not cut you off as well. You're like, whoa, wait a minute now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. Take it up with the the, the writer. I'm just the male boy. I'm just delivering it. What is Paul saying right there? This is what he's saying. So don't become proud, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note the, then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue, provided you continue in kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, they do not continue in their unbelief will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. Might be a stretch. Might not be. I'm the preacher. I'll take it up with you when we're done. It's saying that Israel might have been, some of Israel might have been cut off. But if along the way they find their faith, they can be grafted back in. Listen to me. Family after family after family after family, child after child after child, grandparent after grandparent, aunt after uncle, cousin after cousin, friend after friend, godfather after godfather, godmother after godmother, looking at all these babies. This is for somebody. Going to raise these kids up in the Lord. Going to model for them who Jesus is. Going to show them what worship is. Going to point them to Jesus. And guess what? They might go their own way. They might run from the church. They might totally be separated from the kingdom most of their lives. But if the root, hear me church, if the root is holy, there is always a chance and there's always a hope that if you teach a child when he is young to observe God's law, when he's old, he won't depart from it, but he'll return to it. You know my fear? Because the scripture says, don't be proud, but fear. You know what my fear is? We think we can live however we want to live. 
And eventually, we'll just show up at the right place at the right time, and then we'll give ourselves back to God. And I'm telling you, you are playing Russian roulette with your life. True story. The Fulcher family. Part of our church, chaplain at Ole Miss, FCA, his wife is on her way to Gulfport right now because her father was in an unbelievable wreck and not sure if he's going to make it. Can guarantee you either last night or this morning when that man had a wreck, that was not how he was expecting the day to go. None of us knows what's next but God. So it can either be honey or it can be poison. Question is, who's... What you going to choose? You got a choice. Oh, that just offended somebody. You got a choice. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but the God's kindness to you. Provide you continue and cannot kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even then, they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted and contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Deep, hope I explained it well enough. Stay with me, we're almost done. Verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight. Tell me how that works out. Because most of y'all ain't got enough sense to do anything without Google. And let me tell you something, church. I don't know if you know this or not, but Google is not the Bible. I know if you don't get a certain amount of likes, a certain amount of comments on Facebook, you're like, well, maybe it's not true. Facebook is not the end of all ends. And y'all that's playing on that Snapchat, y'all better talk to Jesus. Some of y'all will get that about Wednesday. says, lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. Listen to that. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And in the way all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, and he will banish the ungodliness to Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them. And, and when I take away their sins, as a regards the gospel... They are enemies for your sake, but as regards of election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, meaning, hey, look, it might look like the Jews are out, but when God is in the scenario, no one is ever out. For the gifts and the calling of God is irrevocable. For you, just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. Listen to that, church. I don't care where you got to go. This is important. They also may receive mercy. Listen to it again, verse 31. So they too who have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also now be received mercy. And some of you are going, man, I'm tired of going through hell. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. Can I tell you something, church? It's not about you. It's about him. Where you find yourself currently not about you. It's about him. You know why? Based on scripture. So they have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you, they may also receive mercy. True story. Not going to call the name out because he ain't ready. 
He ain't ready. I've been walking with this dude for a while. I love him with all my heart. He told me, he said, man, I saw a brother of mine give his life to Christ and the dude's for real. I've never seen it before, fish. I'm ready. I said, okay. If you're ready, then we're going to quit doing lip service to it and we're going to actually do it. When God shows another mercy, it's so that you and I might receive mercy. You see it? You see it? Your mercy is not just about your mercy. It might be about my mercy or her mercy or his mercy or his mercy or her mercy or her mercy. Paul's wrapping up. I'm about to wrap up, Garrett. Keep playing. Oh, that's old keyboard, dude. You the man. Keep going, bro. His fingers are going to be like this tomorrow. Maybe I need to buy him lunch. Romans 11 is closing out this section of the letter. And I want you to see how Paul closes it out. Dude breaks out in praise. You hear me, church? I'm talking about breaks out in praise. Pick up with me in verse 32. I mean, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how instructable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor and who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory and forever and ever. Amen. Some of you have been waiting on this. I'm done. But I'm not done without telling you this. If you have Jesus in your life, you weren't given Jesus for yourself. You were given Jesus so that you could give Jesus to someone else. And I'm going to just call you out this morning because I had to call brother out this morning and this week and last week. That if I say I love Jesus and I do not praise him and I do not worship him, then undoubtedly I done tasted some poison instead of honey. But my Jesus is sweet to my mouth. So may it be sweet as I express my Jesus to those around me. Will you pray with me? Father God, I beg you this morning. That if anything in my mouth that came out was not pleasing to you, you let them forget about it. But God, I pray this morning that you would absolutely do business with us today. God, that you would actually allow some of us who might be on the outside looking in to be reminded that we too can be grafted into that which is holy. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in you. God, maybe some of us have become like what Paul was saying here in Romans chapter 11. We have become arrogant. We've become proud. God, may we be broken of that this morning. May we break away from that this morning and may we fear you and honor you and praise you in all that we do and all that we say. But God, I pray this morning 
that our gift of mercy would be seen by others that they might receive the same gift of mercy because that was your plan from the foundations of the world. And unapologetically, Lord, I thank you for today. And unapologetically, Lord, I thank you that we want a little extra than 60 minutes with God this week. May it be worth it in these moments because you paid it all. How dare us not be willing to give some of ourselves back to you, even though that's not what you require. You require all of us, every last bit of us, every last part of us, but may we be reminded today that you paid it all. In Jesus' name. And all God's church said. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. And until then, God bless.